The Grim Drive podcast explores mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. Pro athletes come forward more and more with stories about their mental health journey, what they have endured, and how they manage to push through, reflecting a mental health stigma that continues to be reduced. Pro athletes also leverage mindset to achieve peak performance, as well as representing and often driving elements of popular culture through the use of social media, technology, and personal branding. This places athletes front and center as role models for people of all ages, giving them a platform to reach many and deliver important information, including information about mental health. Welcome to the Grim Drive Podcast, where we explore mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. My name is Jonathan Busfield. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, John Cuna. Today, we'll be discussing barstool sports and masculinity. So this is our 10th episode. I would encourage everyone to check out our previous nine. You know, in our previous nine episodes, we've really tried to focus on one athlete and one mental health topic or issue, and that's kind of the format we do. This one is our 10th, so we're trying to go a little bit outside the box, <laughs> trying to be a little bit creative and and find you know unique ways to look at difficult topics, but topics we feel are necessary. Right. Um, so this one is going to be on barstool sports and masculinity. So you know, quick bio on barstool sports. I mean, most people at this point, I think, <laughs> know, know something about that company unless they've been hiding under a rock for the last twenty years. Barstool Sports was created by Dave Portnoy in two thousand three. Um, and again, most people have either either follow them or have heard something about them in the media, good or bad. Um, you know, they were created, quote, for the common man, by the common man. So that masculinity is obviously in their slogan. Mm -hmm. um, right. And it's something that we thought would be a good, uh, good segue for us to kind of talk about this, this, um, this, this topic, right? Talk about this topic because we think it's, it's important to discuss. Um, Barstool Sports... They have they started the Barstool Fund, and that's something they've been in, in the news for more recently, which is great. I mean, I think they've raised thirty four million as of uh, first day of February. Yeah, uh, they've helped two hundred fifteen businesses, so they're really focused on helping small businesses because of what the pandemic has done. Uh, thirty four million is no joke. I mean, that's like it's a lot uh, of money, and it's growing, right? I think mm -hmm. obviously a lot of people, a lot of athletes, a lot of prominent, uh, you know, well known people are contributing to the Barstool Fund. Dave Portnoy has obviously spearheaded this and has done a lot of work, um, and you got to give them a lot of credit for that. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty unbelievable. So before we get into um, you know this this episode, I just want to disclose quickly: I do own some stock in Penn National Gaming. It's not a lot, but I feel like I have to at least say that um, just so I'm being above board. We decided to call this episode um, "Barstool Sports and Masculinity" instead of "Toxic Masculinity," even though you know we we look for. We look for topics that are integral to, you know, mental health and culture because they're relevant and they need to be talked about. So that's why, you know, initially it was a bit, do we call it toxic masculinity? Because that's a hot button term mm -hmm. and we, we're not huge fans of it, but we wanted to like at least get into it. But then we, we're also not trying to kind of, you know, create some clickbait title sort of uh, episode title kind of situation where it's misleading. And so that's like why we changed it to to masculinity. Yeah. Or that, that we assume that every male or person that's on that site or that, that or even Dave Portnoy or anyone that, that works there is like a toxic exactly. masculine person. Yeah. But we didn't want it to have that connotation. We wanted to talk about Correct. masculinity right. as the topic. And so that's why we chose to do it that exactly, way. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think that it's a, it's a topic we're passionate about. Yeah. It's a topic that's very nuanced and, and difficult to understand. And it's mm -hmm. going to require more than one episode, I think for us, because, yep. you know, we find it fascinating and we're trying to still unpack it, but there's a lot there. It's, there's no way you can cover that in, in an hour. Um, you know, either the topic of masculinity or barstool sports. I mean, it's just, there's so yeah. many different aspects to it. Um, so we changed that. We also recently changed the title of the Serena episode. It was called Serena Williams and Anger. Um, we recently, we discussed and, and just changed that yesterday to um, Serena Williams and Anger question mark because I think it's, you know, pairing her with anger in the, in the title was misleading. And we, we talked about that whole episode was about that, but then the title doesn't really reflect what we talked about in the episode. Right. Um, and we want all these episodes to start an important dialogue, and that can't be captured in a title or even one episode sometimes. So it requires revisiting these topics, and it requires choosing our titles, uh, episode titles very carefully. So we're trying to learn as we do that. Yeah, and I think exactly. that's why we, we switched that to Serena and Anger question mark because Anger was not really uh, right. fairly associated with her, which the whole episode's about. 
and um, to put this as toxic masculinity would be uh, clickbaity. You know, right. and it, it wouldn't be accurate. So um, let that kind of gets me into like, why are we doing this podcast? We've talked about it a few times, but we're we're doing it to discuss difficult but important topics, right? For the main goal of helping people, that's what we're trying to do with these episodes. Um, we're not making any money here. We're, we're trying to educate people based on our collective 20 plus years of experience as, as licensed uh, clinicians in mental health mm-hmm. and trying to help people. And not every topic is just easy, an easy layup to discuss. And just, you know, here are some key points. Like some of them are difficult and some of them are polarizing and some of them are um, controversial. And I think we're not going to shy away from that. I think it's important to have a good dialogue so that people can learn and we can learn too about these things. Mm-hmm. Um so I think we'll we'll kind of use that to get into, you know, the the episode itself. We'll kind of get into our our key takeaways about barstool sports, and then we'll get into the topic of masculinity, and we'll discuss that at least an initial discussion because I do think we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have to revisit that a couple times. Um, my first takeaway is just the they crush dog content, man. Like I, I and I, <laughs> if awesome. you would ask me about barstool sports maybe five years ago, <laughs> yeah. you can ask my brother or anyone. Like they probably wouldn't have you know, painted me as a fan. And I'm not sure I'd say I'm a fan now or necessarily, but I do follow them and I, mm-hmm. and I look at some of their content and I find it funny. I find yeah. a lot of it funny. Not all of it, but I find a lot of it funny. Um, you know, the pizza reviews I, th- I think are always entertaining. <laughs> uh, and they just like, I- I'm a proud uh, Siberian Husky dog dad. Um, and anytime you can crush dog content, I am on, I am on board, right? Because I think it's it's always entertaining and it's always uh, easy. Like the internet's filled and social media is filled with so much negative, you know, BS. Give me some good dog content, man, and I will I will be sitting there and be smiling for a while. So that's my yeah. I want to start with that. What were some of your um, you know? We kind of want to start with the positive here, John. Like we don't want to paint uh, things in a, in, right. a t- in a negative light. Um, and want to give credit where credit's due. What are some of the positives you have about Barstool Sports? Yeah, I think. You know the, the the biggest one, and obviously it's the one that's in the in the news more recently. And I I'd encourage anyone, um, you know, we'll certainly be, you know, we're we're following and going to be donating as well. But I, to to follow the, the the barstool fundraiser piece that's going on right now, he's don't. I mean, you you mentioned it before, thirty four million. I'm sure at right now it's probably even more than that. Yeah. Um, and he's just giving it away to to small businesses to try to help them out through these different pieces. And I think that that's that's a, a you know, a tribute to him and what he's, what his vision and what he wants to do as, as someone in his position, um, how he wants to choose to use his money. I think that that's important sign of a, that's a, that's a pr- important character trait. Um, the other one that it, that's really interesting, you know, is that he's managed to bring an enormous population of people together. I would say predominantly men, but not only men. Uh, and he's done a really great job. One of my other takeaways I'll talk about in just a second about evolution, but He's brought a ton, a ton of people together and talked about different topics, you know, um, you know, the birth of it, it was definitely more of like the smoke show type of piece and some of that, which we'll, which we'll talk about, but he really has carved out different avenues for people to come and learn about different things and be a sort of be a part of that. And the, my next takeaway is that Barstool has like evolved in the last 20 years it is from where it was to in in the sort of in the birth to where it is now is completely different there are he's hired a ton of females to be a part of that organization to help balance it a little bit more to add perspective to those different things which again he could have just could have and, been like and not for this because they're female you know like he's very clear and i believe him that he hires people who can do who can like create good content absolutely and be a good part of the team right regardless of right. like with their background absolutely and, and that's what i think is the greatest right yeah. and it's it just like like i was saying like adding different perspectives to that piece rather than just like this pigeonholed place of where it kind of started to now it's this you have lots of different avenues for different things you can do and there's amazing content on there they've got podcasts they've i know he's big on gambling he's he's yep. sort of like introduced or not introduced but more mainstream the idea of day trading which if anyone's paying attention to the news right now davy day trader yeah exactly something like that iterations man yeah oh it's funny all day absolutely (laughs) i mean and that's that's i think that if you were to ask most people and i i think that um they would say that that barstool can help like you you mentioned it before like can bring a smile and i think that he's got a very charismatic way about trying to like deliver some of this this different stuff that he's that he's done um and i think he's done it in a, such a creative way and he's had to evolve like with where, the birth of where it is to where it is now and had he not been able to do that we might not be talking about barstool now at all um and the other thing that was one of my biggest takeaways, and this was in a more recent interview, he was talking about this. Someone asked him about like what college kids should do, you know, once they graduate college. And um, 
his response was really interesting to me because it resonated with a lot of what I do with people that I work with. And he said, you know, go pursue your passion. Go out there and find something that you, when you wake up in the morning, you love doing. He made the joke. He's like, I don't even know what day it is anymore because all my days I get to wake up and do what I love. And Which I thought that awesome. that was awesome. It is right? so cool. And I mean, to- it really is like a dream like for, for people when you look at his experience, the fact that he's been able to that he had the guts to quit the job he hated, which a lot of people don't. <laughs> don't. And I have. Yeah. I, I know I did that in my life, and I have respect for anyone who's willing to take that chance because a lot of people are going to give you shit for it. It's like the second you do it, family members, people think it's not a smart decision, that kind of thing. You got to have conviction in what you're doing, and, and you have to have conviction that what you're doing not only has value, but it, you have to be willing to sit with the fact that it might not show right away. Right. right? When you're building something, it might take a few years where it's not – it hasn't shaped into what it's going to become yet. And people are, are it's going to be ammo for people like to kind of throw at you. And you got to be, you have, you have to have that conviction to stick with it mm-hmm. and follow your passion, follow your dream. And he's a shining example of that, which I yeah. think is always kind of a cool thing to look at if you're looking at that aspect. Yeah, of it. absolutely. And that was, so that's something that was something that really, really spoke and resonated with me because that's a lot of what I do with the people that I work with. Like, what is it that you're really passionate about and how can you go out there and, and, and try to accomplish that? And you wish this quote were mine. It's not, but it, Jim Carrey's, but it's, you know, you're, you're just as likely to fail at what you don't like as what you are with what you do. So might as well go out there and pursue passion. Yep. And I think having someone like Dave, who's speaking to a huge population of people with that message, I think is, it's profound and it's, it's awesome to see. I, I agree. And I think, so you, you touch on a couple points. I mean, the fact that they have a large following, which is, is it, there are a ton of guys. It's not just guys now. No. I think obviously their staff is very diverse in perspective, which we're going to get to. Um, and they have, you know, female led podcasts, they have a huge female audience now. I mean, they have, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. really diverse in terms of the the people that work there and and the audience. Um, but they have a large following, which to me, again, why we do this podcast, try to help people. Anytime you have a large following, you have the potential to do a lot of good. And I think he, he's more, I mean, obviously with the barstool fund, but more and more, I think he's, he's shifted his priorities. It seems like not just as a company in terms of growing, which takes vision and takes, uh, you know, it takes a lot of different qualities, but also just, I mean, evolving as a person, it seems like he has gotten better a little bit in terms Mm -hmm. of like where he puts his priorities or wanting to help people or that kind of thing. I think you got to give credit to a person who's growing, right. Instead of like harping on every little mistake they made when they were younger. Like, I think it's important to say like, are they improving? Are they growing as a person? Are they right. doing positive things? Which I think he is. And there's potential for more good. Obviously, you have a platform like this. You have this many people. There's a lot of cool, good things you can do to help people. And uh, it seems like he is really keying into that, which is which is kind of cool to see. So that's definitely something that stood out. We, we talked a little bit about building a team culture. And I think it, it brings up some some interesting points for me because with regard to like equal opportunity and giving a wide range of people a voice... So like diversity of staff perspectives and letting each member shine, he does both. And those are two separate concepts. Like I know there's, you know, there's some companies that are going to try to um, be diverse, right? Not necessarily for the sake of diversity, but they're going to try to get a wide range of opinions, but they're not necessarily going to let everyone shine. I think Mm. rarely do you see companies actually give each person from the top of the hierarchy down in the company the ability to work on what they want to work on, shine on what they do well and have a voice about what they think needs to be talked about, needs to be heard. Um, not many companies are successful at doing that. He, they do that. You know, they yeah. really do have, um, you know, it seems like the people, regardless of the position at Barstool, seem to uh, be given sort of carte blanche to like talk about what they want to or be creative or have a voice or that kind of thing. And that's not easy to do as a company. So I think, I, I think that's a pretty cool thing that they've been able to do that. They have a primarily female leadership team. And again, uh, apparently they've worked with thousands of women. And he, Portnoy says, Dave Portnoy says that almost all of them say it's a progressive job environment. I haven't done enough of a deep dive to know that. But I, th- I mean, I haven't heard a ton of people, women who've worked with them, like complain. There's been no. some people who have not worked with them, like in the news media who have complained, but not people that have worked with them. Um, ultimately, they employ a lot of people, right? They create a lot of jobs, which mm-hmm. I think is a key thing, too. And most of them seem to love their job and their team. I think that's that's a you know you create a work environment. This includes a physical work environment. We talked about we we talk a lot about the importance of of environment, right? The built environment, the home environment, um, the workplace environment in terms of yeah. how it's set up, how it's designed. Does it allow? Does it really? Is it set up in a way that's going to be conducive to people's well being and their mm-hmm. work productivity and things like that? They clearly like designed a work environment, specifically in New York, I think 
that it, I mean, if you look at the videos from the, like, <laughs> it just looks like a place you'd want to work. It looks fun. It looks like people are enjoying themselves. It looks like they're yeah. talking. Now, I don't know how that's changed with the pandemic and everything, obviously, but like, yep. it seems like a cool place to be um, as a team member, right? Which I think is always good. Like it, that to me shouts like work environment that people like going into. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a great thing. And on, along the lines of hiring people, they did hire a lot of homeless people in the early days to hand out papers, which I think is also kind of a cool thing. So, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of good stuff when it comes to any, any more positive takeaways that you've had, we covered a lot right there. But. Yeah, no, those were, those were pretty much my, my biggest ones that like that he, he brought a bunch of people together. The fundraising piece is huge and that he's just like an advocate for, for falling passion and not only for himself, but like you just made great points. Like he allows that for every person and employee that he works, that he yeah. works with, like just allows them that latitude to go out and do what they want. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. So I have some questions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pose questions to you, Johnny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, my first question is, what are they? Uh, cause I think this is key. I think a lot of people, I don't want to say like, uh, we could get into the whole, like people fear what they don't understand. Cause I think that, that is, uh, that is relative to this. Um, along those lines, I think part of why Barstool gets a lot of negative negativity. Now, sometimes they do things that are controversial and it, it, yeah. it, it brings it on themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot, a lot of what leads people to kind of attack them is that People don't know how to characterize them. So I'm going to ask you, like, what are they? Are they sports talk? Are they reality TV? Are they news media? Are they comedy? Are they entertainment? How would you describe them? I'd say yes. Uh, <laughs> right? Like, I think they, I think that they, I think they are all of those things, which is why I think it's so hard to pigeonhole and put them yeah, down. I think, yeah. you know, when they, when they first started, again, this kind of talks about the evolution. I think that they first started as, you know, as kind of like a blogging, putting, funny stories, you know, that kind of thing. I could kind of have that vibe to it. I remember it came out and, you know, I was in college and it was like the thing everyone started like, you know, like looking at and they Mm -hmm. had funny like videos and all this different stuff. So it had like more of a blog feel to it Mm -hmm. in the beginning. It is anything but that, but it hasn't lost that. So, you know, I think that, and then they spent a lot of time. I know that the gambling and that type of thing is a big piece of what they are. So in some sense, they are like a sports media outlet, but not like an ESPN type of thing. But, I, although maybe Dave will get upset with me for saying that, but um, you know I, they do cover lots of different sports. They have a massive, massive following from pro athletes because one thing that I think that Barstool has been able to do that sports media has takes sort of the opposite approach a lot of times is that Dave gives them a platform to talk for the for the athletes to talk specifically about them and it's kind of in like this lackadaisical kind of funny environment mm-hmm. and I think that athletes are drawn to that because when they talk to like sports media like I think of like the ESPNs and that type of stuff there's like a you know, there's a routine to it, right? Like you could, you could watch one person go through an interview and it could be the exact same that they have for any, you could put any other athlete in there. They'd be the exact same with words. Non-barstool. Like with non-barstool yes, yes, media. It's, it's right? very like a uh, softball question. It's scripted. Not it's a like, whole lot of getting yeah, back it, and it, it's easy and yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think in one sense that they've been a good sports media because they've given an outlet for athletes like a little bit more of a personal approach to that. So yeah, so they're not robots. Basically. Right. They're not robots. Yeah, they're, yeah. You can actually see them as human beings. And yes. that's something that I, you, I, to my knowledge, there aren't a lot of like sports broadcasters or media outlets that, that focus just on sports that, that are able to capture the same thing that they are able to do at Barstool, which is so refreshing. No one else is doing that. No. I think what, what we've talked about this from a slightly different angle. Um, we've talked about how, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast was to like try to get, the sort of emotional, psychological, real, authentic kind of side of athletes, right? Mm-hmm. To be like, this is who they really are. They're not just, you know, a, a number on the back of a jersey on a field or on a court or on the ice. Yep. There's more to them. And I think as a fan, when you start to learn about the emotional side of what they've gone through, who they really are as a person, what matters to them, it only amplifies <laughs> the, the sport. It only makes right. it more entertaining to watch. It only endears those athletes to you even more, mm-hmm. makes you want to root for them. They do this like two, uh, like times uh, a thousand, oh, yeah. uh, not from the emotional angle, but from the, you know, kind of humor down to earth. Who are these athletes really when they don't have to feel like they got to be PC and like just buttoned up and, yeah. and say perfect answers. And I, I love that because it, like you get to know who they really are, not just who they are on a camera when they're trying not to make a mistake because the GM's going to get mad at them or right, they whatever, get fined you know? for saying the yeah, wrong thing you know? or they're not, they're supposed to, you know, they, and I know that athletes, they go through like PR training, like here's how you talk to the media. Like they go through that stuff yes. and how refreshing must it be to be able to like 
say F all that stuff and just talk to somebody who's feels probably a little bit, you feel a little bit more connected to. And I, th- I think that's why, I mean, he has a huge athlete following you, the people. You can see with the athletes too, when they're interviewed, you, know, uh, you see like a real person, the face changes. Uh, it's yeah. like, you can see it's, it's, it's awesome. night and day. I mean, I think they all kind of look the same when they're giving interviews through ESPN or whatever. It is a very like kind of stoic buttoned up robot kind of thing. Not all of them, but, no. but a lot of those. And then when they're interviewed through Barstool or participating in something through Barstool, that face goes away and it's like, oh, okay. Like you can kind of see who, right. who this person really is, which I think is really refreshing. And it's kind of cool. I think it adds to the sport, you know, a sport like, I don't want to call out baseball, but baseball is kind of struggling when it comes to like putting a product on the field that enter- entertains people in an on-demand culture where our attention spans collectively are like, you know, shorter and shorter. Sure, yeah. um, they, at any sport, but baseball would, would benefit from this. Like you need to humanize the athletes. Mm-hmm. You need to like give them a chance to actually be who they are. Yeah. So the fans can kind of be like, oh, you know, that like that, that guy's or that woman's interesting or that person's interesting. Right. And this is why, like they're being themselves. So I do think that's cool. Yeah, I think that's why I think, you know, to the kind of being a little bit humorous with the yes as my answer. But I think that's kind of one. I think that's probably why or one of the contributing factors for why Barstool has been so successful is because it's it 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 goes into all of these different places from a little bit less of like a fake facade and more of like a real approachable avenue for people to come and learn about these different things. And so I I think it poses some problems. Obviously, anyone who knows Barstool has known that there's been lots of controversy that have come up, but that's going to happen with with any company, really, of like they're trying to move and change and evolve and all these different things. That's it's gonna that's gonna happen. I agree, and this is where like I, when I asked the question, "What are they?" I think I, you know I want to see what your answer was. I, I have my opinion on this, I and mean, I think to me they're essentially a comedy and, and, and largely comedy, but like entertainment platform. Yeah. Right? So like they don't really take themselves too seriously. Clearly, <laughs> and it, starting right. with Portnoy, obviously he's yeah. not afraid to like m- make an ass out of himself and like <laughs> for for laughs. I think that's that's admirable in my opinion. It's not easy to do. Like no. if you're willing to like not care what people think to like create some, some valuable content, create some humor, bring smiles to people. Like, I think that's a good thing. So they're essentially, in my opinion, a comedy platform. They don't really take themselves too seriously. Most of the time it seems like they, they take the angle of sensationalizing things for entertainment value of anything. So when there's (laughs) stuff that's controversial, I think a lot of times I think they're, they're doing it just to kind of be like, Hey, we'll amplify this just to kind of get more viewers or be Mm -hmm. sensationalized, but not because they're actually taking it seriously. I think even sometimes Portnoy seems to poke fun at hyper masculinity in subtle ways. If you look at, if you know what to look for and you look at some of the things he mm-hmm. says, to me, he kind of pokes fun at hyper masculinity sometimes. So some people, you know, will say bad things or bad moments kind of define them, but I think it's important not to view all, as all good or all bad. I mean, I think there's some exceptions to this, right? There are mm-hmm. some people that, if you do certain things in life, I think no matter what good things you do, you're going to be labeled as a, a not good person. Um, but I don't think that Barstool or Portnoy has reached that kind of like level or no. close to it where they've done like, you know, these horrible things that give them this all bad status. Um, through the lens of comedy, how do we start to see them differently? Because I think this matters because in my opinion, comedy is a place to push limits. Right. Like it's a place to find the line. It's a place to provide laughs at other people's expense sometimes, even the audience. Um, and comedians need to be able to tiptoe around the boundary from time to time. I, I think that's really key. Like I don't think, and this kind of brings me to my, to my next question, because my question to you is, is PC culture a good thing? Um, you know, where is PC culture good and where is it bad? Because I think that that relates here. So there's been a lot of times when PC culture has tried to, I don't want to say like cancel comics, but it's tried to kind of go after comedians to say like, you got, you went too far. And I, I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. I think mm. comedians need to be able to have kind of an open slate to be able to talk about what they want to, because it, it's, it's, easy for people to to be able to laugh about things it's easier to understand some topics when they're told through the lens of comedy so that we can try to wrap our heads around it i just think it's a good it's a place that should be untouched in my opinion i think comedians need to be able to push the envelope because that's the whole point if you can't push the envelope like you're, it's going to be hard to actually do that successfully um so i'll ask you again you know what, what do you is pc culture a good thing we'll talk about why maybe, maybe it's good and why it's bad yeah one one thing to follow up on just in like the use yep. of comedy and then we'll, we'll kind of talk about like sure. how it fits in with with pc culture is that you know comedy can be a really great way to deliver hard truths right and and yes. sort of like talk about in something palatable like ways right, right, right exactly like this is a hard topic i'm going to make a joke about it so yes. it's a little bit more approachable for people to come to which i think is an important thing and we can't lose that um i think pc culture 
is sort of like a spectrum. You know, there's sort of people who are adamantly against it and adamantly support it. I think that both ends of those spectrums are problematic. And I think with with PC culture, one thing that you tep- you sometimes get to see or that you sometimes see is like you have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. It has to mm-hmm. be done this way. And 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 sure, there are there are definitely circumstances or situations where things m- like should be thought about doing that. But if anybody has ever been in a situation where someone is telling them that they have to do something that might be against what they feel, the receptivity to come to a conversation is zero. Yeah. So it's not it's it's it's, it's yeah. more about not necessarily whether PC culture is good or bad, but it's about how do we approach it. And I think having conversations about something that might be a trigger for you, I think is important to identify why is it a trigger for you so you can do some self-reflection about that. And but also I think that, you know, the the the, the PC patrol I think that they get it wrong in one sense of trying to, and I think that when I talk to people who have more conservative viewpoints on things and try to like, because I I try to educate myself on their point of view, is that that's their biggest gripe, is that people are like telling them that they have to think this way, and that only causes people to dig in further. And so when you come at people and say like, this is, this is, that's not politically correct, you have to say it this way, you're actually stopping the conversation from happening versus what I like to sort of this wasn't my own. This was adopted. But help me understand how you got here, right? Help me understand why why this is your point of view. Help me understand because then you actually get a sense of what mm-hmm. that person believes and what they think. And so uh, I guess for me, maybe it's not really answering your question, so I apologize. But it's, I guess it's not necessarily about like whether it's good or bad. It's about how it's approached and how like how people come to the conversation about it because I think that – I think it's important for if something is said that is wrong or something that is said that is controversial, rather than either saying like, it's okay, he should be able to say whatever he wants or she, or you can't say that ever again, both are not really Mm -hmm. helpful Mm -hmm. in actually addressing what it was that was said, right? Like the the actual message gets lost and it's just, you can't say that, or yes, you should be able to say whatever you want. Rather than, well, can we actually just like talk about what was said and find a way to understand it a little bit better? And that's my biggest, that's, that's the conversation I try to have with different people. And so someone who has like a very, very different view standpoint on something that I do, I rather than go out and be like, well, that's a ridiculous comment or that's a ridiculous idea. How could you possibly think that? Just trying to open a bridge of like, how did you get there? What, where did you get your information from? Who, who are, who's influencing you? How did you get to that place? I find that to be a far more productive conversation and for the person to be actually receptive. And then if I have counterpoints, they'll be receptive to it versus like, oh, now they're just telling me what they want to hear and oh, you know, that's that and, and discount it. I, I find it far more effective to do it to try to hard come to do. that point. Really hard, Very to, hard do, to do, especially I, I, if it's a controversial topic. I'd love to sit here and say I've done that successfully. I haven't. Yeah. I, I yeah. think a small portion of the time I've been able to yeah. to keep it to that t- sort of dialogue. But especially you know with certain topics that we're not going to get into today, it's hard at times. Yeah. Um, and if you're very far apart, especially it's very hard on t- uh, at yeah. times. And that kind of relates to uh, we'll probably I think we're going to do an episode on communication. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll get into that Absolutely. too because it's definitely I think it's going to be on Kyrie and communication, which mm-hmm. which we'll get to next time. It's going to be our next episode. But so for PC, uh, PC culture, like I think I know what it, it's trying to do, right? I think it, it's trying to force social change faster than the national uh, natural timeline is going to allow it to. You know, in terms of like I think PC culture looks at hey these certain things are hurting people or bring people down or right. whatever. We have to be like sort of zero tolerance to get rid of that faster than it's going to naturally get. And I, I think I get why that happens or yeah. why they think that's important. People that support kind of PC culture, I don't always know that that it works that way. That you can affect change. Maybe I'm, I'm being naive, and that's the only, this is the only way to affect change is by like mm-hmm. putting your foot down and that kind of thing. But I think it doesn't always work the way that people intended to, and it can cause some unintended side effects too. I think if you if you just say like zero tolerance and you, then you you're cutting off the voice of people who are on the other side of those issues. There's a backlash to that sometimes too that you don't expect. So right. I think that I think PC culture is I think sometimes leads to some important changes, maybe the better treatment of others. But the bad thing I think is uh, again it tries to speed things up, which can ha- too fast, which can have a bit of a boomerang effect or have some unintended side effects. And then I think one of the things that that I've seen is that it it can kind of paint things almost like in a uh, in a light that leads to a collective lack of sense of humor. I think that's where like you cannot PC culture almost makes it so that you cannot make a joke about anything. Mm-hmm. And I, again, back to the comedy thing, I don't know that that's a good thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I get that we want to be like 
cognizant of people's you know emotions and feelings but we do this for a living right we're right. aware of that we don't want to like hurt people's feelings or like ruin their life or that kind of thing but you also can't take it's not good to take life too seriously not be able to laugh at anything especially yourself right like that's not good either i mean i, th- I think pc culture so almost paints the picture that that's a good thing and i disagree with that I mean, i think it's really good to be able to laugh it's really good to be able to poke fun especially yourself i think mm-hmm. one of the like main ways i stay happy is trying not to take myself too seriously which is not always easy to do you got to be able to poke fun at the stuff, the low-hanging fruit, the stuff that are you know other people are probably going to target you for anyway. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to be the first to laugh at that, and that's something I actually work with clients on. Is like, hey, if if you feel like someone's kind of using this against you, own it. You know, how can yeah, make you make a joke of it? Make a joke of it. Be the first person to make a joke of it. You, not too much self-deprecation, but a, a healthy amount mm-hmm. can really help people to kind of own that and build their confidence up. So. Again, long-winded ways. I don't think PC culture is always a good thing. I, I know it's going for, and I think there are some good as some yeah. good results of it at times. But I think it also can lead to some some very bad things too. So back to again, to me, Barstool is kind of like a comedy collective. So it, it's like fused some things. I think this is where it's very. It's almost like a one of a kind. I think that's why people you know struggle to really understand it. Right. Um, including myself for a very long time. I've tried to keep an open mind about Barstool and really try to like figure figure out what I think of it without sticking to one kind of view on one day. So they fuse some things. They fuse comedy and the need to kind of like let that wall down and laugh and get emotion out with groupthink and sort of like fan mob behavior, right? <laughs> so it's like this comedy collective of staff and of fan behavior, which I don't think I've ever seen anything kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of interesting. So to me, like the questions I have are, are the staff members like serious or is most of this for comedy entertainment? I think it's mostly for comedy, if not all for comedy entertainment. I don't think they're serious with a lot of stuff that they kind of talk about or poke fun at. It's for laughs. You know what I mean? Um, he says he, he hires most people and lets them cook, so to speak. So like just really seems more like a com- combo of comedy and professional wrestling. I think that's kind of how I would describe it. It's mm-hmm. like they're you know, he even dresses up in certain ways that are kind of like funny. And like he'll, he'll. I mean, there was one thing in New York where I think it was when they were introducing Erica uh, as the CEO. Yeah. Um, and there was one of them was like wearing like kind of like an open coat with no shirt on. Yeah. And and Portnoy is in like a tuxedo, and it's just like, you know, it's kind of got like a, a professional wrestling feel to mm-hmm. it too. And I, so I think they're just trying to kind of be sensationalized for humor's sake more than yeah. anything else. Um, and so sometimes maybe if like people didn't take them so seriously with everything they do, I think it would be more palatable for those people. Yeah. They wouldn't like hate on it so much. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And kind of what I had said before, and I think that the, a lot of stuff that they talk about is very true. And I think, yes, I think that they probably, I think that comedy is probably one of their main like avenues for getting a point mm-hmm. across, but a lot of what they say is really valuable and really helpful. And I, I think that they use that comedy to kind of break down people's you know, barriers to it. And then here's the, like, here's the truths and things like that. But I agree. I think that, you know, when people take things too seriously or take things personal, that's when things start to sort of deteriorate. And rather than just sort of like, why am I taking this personal? Does this have anything to do with, 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 with me or with bar stools? You know, is this, I'm getting triggered because something mm-hmm. that, that's going on for me, but yeah. they're really just trying to put content out and put helpful pieces out there yeah. through, through humor. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think it's a hard, I think it's a hard, and I think that a lot of the backlash that they've gotten has been with using that approach of talking about maybe some things that are more controversial and sort of from a comedy standpoint, and then people saying, well, you're not taking it seriously, or you're sort of just like throwing, you know, gas on the fire or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I, I just, I don't think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, no, I agree. And so I think we're, we want to be balanced with this conversation. I think we'll, we'll shift a little bit into, you know, I don't want to say negatives. I would say questions, you know, mm-hmm. questions that we kind of have about some things they've done or, or some accusations maybe uh, um, by others of them and and just have a dialogue about what we, what we maybe think about that. Um, so anything, any questions that you have in particular about, I mean, one I have is, you know, if they're, if they're against cancel culture, why do they try to at times harass or cancel people? Because it seems, that's one thing I found interesting is that they, I know that they're against that kind of thing. And and yet sometimes it, it almost seems like they do the best defense is a good offense kind of thing, and they go and they kind of uh, jump to the, mm-hmm. to the step of doing it first. And I don't I don't know that they have to. That's what's interesting to me is that um, you know obviously their fans are going to be their fans regardless. <laughs> and I don't know that people who are looking at the at the you know the media articles or the media personalities that are kind of coming after Barstool really take what those people are saying that seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's definitely you. You mentioned. It. I think that that's definitely the the approach that they have 
taken. Although, you know, I don't follow them very like adamantly. I wouldn't consider myself like a stoolie, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I do, definitely do follow some of their stuff. But you know, the the example that I was was actually paying attention to was like the the Deadspin like drama that was going on between the two between those two companies. And I do feel like you got a little bit of that like offense. Like there was a lot of that like attack, attack, attack. And when you're when you're up against it and someone's coming at you that's a that's a common response that people that people have like to to fight back and i think that that's been their approach i haven't seen it as often um or as much but again i'm not an avid fear so there might be examples that i just don't know about but i haven't seen like that well that so there level, is and there but, isn't this is where like it's it, it poses a, this is why it's so nuanced it's kind of right. hard to like even um discuss it accurately i think in, in all aspects but i think on the one hand a lot of their, a lot of the times that they kind of fight back, it is to kind of defend themselves, which right. I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. And I think at times that gets characterized as either misogyny or sexism, which I don't think it is because <laughs> this is going to sound bad. I think he's kind of like equal opportunity attack everyone. I don't think he's like <laughs> he doesn't discriminate. <laughs> yeah, it's not like he's saying like you're a woman, so I'm going to come after you because you spoke yeah. negatively about me. I think regardless of gender or or race or anything, he's gonna he's gonna come after people that attack him or attack Barstool because. It's, you know, his company and he started and he's passionate about it. And he's like, who are you to kind of say to criticize me kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe does he go too far in with the insults? Maybe, I guess. I don't know. It's not really for me to say. I, I think that's probably what draws some attention to it. But at the same time, I, I think there are people that that kind of come after them for stuff that they're maybe misguided or, or inaccurate in their in their anger or accusations at Barstool. So that's part of it, too. So I don't think he really kind of discriminates based on gender or anything when it comes to like who he's attacking that's attacked him first i think he'll kind of go after whomever yeah whoever it doesn't really matter right so it's almost the opposite of sexism if you think about it he's not gonna like go easy on a woman just because she's a woman if you're a woman and you attack him he's gonna treat you the same way he treats a guy who attacks him mm-hmm. all right so on the other hand there have you know i don't think pornoy has done this necessarily i i don't i don't i haven't been able to there's a lot of stuff out there and so like, much we, we didn't have like you know six months to go deep dive on every little <laughs> barstool thing but it, I don't think he's done this, but I know some Barstool fans have, you know, allegedly harassed or doxed people who have kind of spoken negatively about Pornoy, about Barstool. So I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't personally do that. I don't think that's like effective. I think it, it kind of it goes into sort of the bullying territory a little bit where and I don't like this isn't to judge the people who are doing it. It's really more to say, like, you know, I've worked with people who bully like we work a lot with young guys. So I've worked with people who are, have been bullied and I've worked with people who do the bullying. Um, and the line's not f- that far off from being on either side of that, believe it or not. The questions I have for that, are like, does it make you feel better or happier to attack other people? Because I think in the short term, it's going to. It's mm-hmm. especially for guys. I think there's like an adrenaline rush and there's like this feeling of power and control and dominance, which ties into the masculinity conversation that we're going to get to short term. It's kind of, it's stimulating and it can kind of be like a drug in a way, but that fades away quick. And what sets in is guilt and shame and other Mm -hmm. things. So so that's my main concern. So I think when people, especially guys get roped into this, like, Hey, I'm going to attack them back and I'm going to make their life miserable. It feels good or purposeful in the moment and it often makes them feel worse when all the kind of dust has settled yep. and i think that's my main concern is i think people doing it i would ask them like just to take an honest look when when you you support portnoy and you support barstool which is great i think it's clearly given people a place where they feel like they belong and that they have like-minded people which i think is a great thing when you use that support and passion for that company that person to then attack other people does it make you feel better right does it improve your life and that's not for me to answer. I think that's for the, for anyone who's done it to mm-hmm. answer. But I, that's the question I think is most helpful to ask. Yeah, I don't think Portney would would again. I've never he def- heard him condone never su- it. No. Never support that. I, and never no. condone it. And so, I think I've actually heard him say, you know, if if I hear anything that's intentionally hate driven, yeah. like from within the company, I will. I, that is unacceptable. I have have heard him say that. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's interesting you bring up the bullying piece and the example that I use when I when I'm talking to clients about it, either if they are being bullied or if they are a bully mm-hmm. um i i bring up like my training as a lifeguard have i told you about this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right how like they're trained this. Yeah, yeah how they've yeah. Tra- they train you to make a rescue from behind the person because if you try to approach them head on if someone's in a state of like panic they're going to try to grab onto anything they can and push it down so mm-hmm. they can elevate themselves and that's how i see bullies i yeah, see them like yeah. this person drowning in a pool yes. looking for anything to push down so they can keep their head afloat yes. for a little bit longer yeah. it's and really I, about what they're struggling with absolutely yeah. and i think that, that that is a click that i've seen happen for a lot of people being like oh i never thought about that person as that like a example, drowning victim that example works so well and i, I really found it yeah say how it, well that's worked yeah and that yeah. that's always something when i talk about it that it, it's really helpful because you get you get those like oh yeah i 
would never, never thought that. Never just thought like this about mean, terrible angle. person. You never actually yeah. like. Well, it's still a person who's probably Hurting. feeling like they're drowning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I think that is. You know, this kind of relates to. You know, I, I don't. I don't. It, it's a difficult question to know. Like, you know, the question that comes to mind is: is is barstool sports fueling? You know, some of the behavior of their fans. Or is it just that that behavior is going to be there anyway and Barstool becomes the vehicle through which it, yeah. it, it emerges? Right. I kind of think it's more the second one. Mm-hmm. I know people are going to blame Barstool for creating that. And maybe they sometimes they throw a little gasoline on the fire. But I don't think it's nearly like as bad as what some people try to paint it out to be. And I think it's a lot of people struggling who are fans of this. And it comes out through Barstool as the medium. But that's not what caused it. And I would give sports as an example of this. Like you look at any sports uh, group of sports fans for a team, right? Especially guys. And how many times have you seen guys fighting outside the stadium after a game, like because they're opposing fans of opposing teams, or you know brawls happening in the stands, or that kind of like it's not barstool that causes that. Just like it's not the NBA that causes that. If it happens at a Celtics game, mm-hmm. it's you know there are some people that are struggling and they take sports very seriously. Seri- um, the the group think and the ability for sports to be their escape and their way to get emotion out is really what's happening. But you can't blame the sport for that. No. Right? I right. Mean, it's not like it's basketball's fault or it's no. just, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Or you know, They don't cause that. So does it happen at a basketball game? Sure. But you wouldn't blame the NBA for that. Right. Um, and I think it's kind of the same with Barstool. Like, you can't really blame them that some of their fans happen to be the type that are struggling enough to want to, to the drowning example, they're drowning. So they're going to, like, you know, if you try to save them from the front, they're going to push those people down. To, right propel themselves up and try yep. to save them. I don't think they realize they're doing it half the time. No. And that's why I asked that question because anyone who used that drowning example, like if you find yourself online in, in chat rooms or on Twitter especially, God, Twitter is like a cesspool, um, where you're just spewing hate or you're just trying to bring people down or you're doxing people, think about the drowning example because there's a good chance that you're probably struggling mm-hmm. and you don't know how to what to do about it. And without you know, knowing what to do about it, you're going to just reach out and, and you're going to end up drowning other people, but it's not going to help save you. It's actually going to drown that person and then you're going to drown anyway. And I yep. think that's what kind of what happens. Um, you know, I would just encourage people to recognize that, that if you're coping with stress, you're coping with difficult things by, by trying to bring other people down, uh, it's not a judgment of you that but the, what I'm saying here, it's more uh, ask the question, are, is it helping you? Because right. if it isn't, then I think it's good to step back and try to find a better way mm-hmm. um, that will make you feel better. Yep. You know what I mean? Exactly. So they've, let's see. So the only other thing I had, um, you know, there's been some racist accusations, um, again, to me, and it may, you know, not everyone's going to agree with this, but I think I, I'll relate this back to the Brad Marchand episode. I'm not calling Brad Marchand racist. I'm relating it back in, in a in the, the sense of a polarizing role, right? We talked about how Brad Marchand is one of those people in hockey who has to find the line to do what he what his role is mm-hmm. uh, not anymore now he's like you know obviously he's he's transcended that role as like the rat or whatever mm-hmm. uh, the instigator but for a while he was that and when you're in that role and that's what got you there you have to you have to toe the line and sometimes you're going to cross it i think with comedy that can be very similar right where it's like if you want to find the line and make people laugh like at times you're going to have missteps and you're going to cross a line that you didn't mean to you're just trying to be funny i think with the examples i'm not going to give a specifics but with the examples that you know portnoy's been kind of caught up with in my opinion, he's trying to find the line of being funny, and he's probably crossed a little bit, but not because he's racist. I think it's because he's trying to be funny and, and, and you know, at times will cross a line, and there's some missteps there. But, uh, you know, two, a couple, two missteps in 17 years of creating comedy and being funny, I think it's like, look, we, do we expect people to be perfect when they're trying to mm-hmm. be comedians? I don't look at any other co- uh, comedian like that, and I do characterize Barstool as comedy, so that's where... I think it's like I feel like they should be given more leeway in that sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's just about observing the steps after the misstep, right? Yeah. So like, yes, yes. we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to say things that maybe we don't mean, or we we're, we don't have enough education, or we haven't educated ourselves enough on topics about certain different things, and we'll make a mistake, right? And mm-hmm. we'll say something that we either didn't intend or came out wrong, or maybe we did intend it but didn't have enough understanding. Um, that's on that's on them, but. Then you need to follow the steps that are taken after that. Mm-hmm. Do they continue to make the same misstep or do they actually make active change to educate themselves and move forward in a better direction? I think that we've seen that that's, that's been what Dave's approach has been. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. So we're going we're gonna to segue into uh, the topic about masculinity a little bit here. And, you know, again, we'll just start with at least getting this out of the way because I think, um, you know, the, 
the hot i don't know if it's a hot button uh phrase anymore but probably i guess it still is it probably yeah. was more in like 2017 18 19 but the term toxic masculinity is something that's been thrown out there a lot neither of us are huge fans of that term we're going to get into it i'll kind of kick it to you on that you know what we think the topic of masculinity is a, is an important topic but the term toxic masculinity is problematic for a lot of reasons how would you describe that Oh, man, I'm so excited for this one. Uh, <laughs> We've been I, talking about d- getting into this for a long time. Yeah, and, yeah. I, you know, I think I think we should probably, you know, we'll designate like an in another, like an entire episode to, to cover in these different things because there's just so much on this. There's but a lot going on there. Yeah. I, I think that toxic masculinity gives the that gives the sort of unassumed definition that masculinity itself is toxic. And I, I, I think that I have a really big problem with that because – it isn't. And I think that it ingrains people even more into the pieces that sort of define toxic masculinity. So the the common things when people are talking about toxic masculinity, they're talking about attributes of like domination, homophobia, aggression, you know, those characteristics that are perceived as like masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they sort of think. They, then they define it as toxic. And um, well, certainly I don't agree with homophobia, but a sense of domination or you know that's that's okay in certain situations obviously if it's competition competition like, yeah, or yeah. i want to dominate a, like a sector of work that i'm in and i want to go out and do that it's not about an all or nothing type of thing and i think the toxic masculinity just sort of puts this blanket blanket it's a blanket term yeah, term which, over which everything it almost never works and it never works and it just it, it it i think it actually deters people from coming to the conversation especially men um because Aggression again, not something. If you're using aggression towards another person, that's not that's not great. But if you're an aggressive person in a, in a competition in a sports, that's okay. It's about learning how to like use these traits in a more like a, a balanced way, rather than just sort of like discounting all these different things as 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 terrible things. And that's the biggest problem that I have with like toxic masculinity as yeah. like a, as a phrase and a topic because it, it's just it's it's so misconstrued it's it's confusing and it and it like i said i think the biggest problem is that it deters people from especially guys from actually coming to the conversation to learn about it that too yeah it's it becomes like kind of a non-starter and it just makes people it makes guys almost feel more ashamed i yeah, think which victimized because it, it takes it, this is what people have to understand about this term i get where it's coming from which i'm going to get into but when you label it that way, it means that anything that the outside world sees as masculine is now viewed as negative toxic. or toxic. And anything that a guy thinks he's doing that is being a guy is going to make him feel toxic or mm-hmm. that he has the risk of coming across as toxic, which is only going to reinforce shame. And let's face it, man. We, we've talked about how the numbers of depression and anxiety and suicidality among guys are up. Oh, they're crazy and, and right they're now. they're getting worse. You add a layer of toxic shame to it. I'm sorry, it's not going to make the problem better. You're mm-hmm. going to make the problem ten times worse, and that's my main concern. Is that like y- the people who create and pump that term up are tr- are inadvertently making going to make the situation worse by using that term. That the situation that they're trying to improve by creating the term, they're actually right. going to make it worse by yeah. using the term. If that makes sense. Um, and I think you know I, I've had we work a lot with young guys, and I've had parents you know often say things like. You know, he's too competitive and he's too – things that are like, you know, maybe they're masculine but maybe they're not but are not bad traits. I think it's like what I encourage them is like competitiveness is good. Right. Like that's going to drive him to do the things that are he's, he finds purpose on in life and to not give up and to have uh, resiliency and things like that. So, yes, his managing emotions might be able to get better. Right. right? <laughs> uh, you know, if, if yeah. he loses, you know, slamming the stick down or sure. like cursing on a teammate – Right, that we want to work on. Right, um, but the the drive, you know, to compete and to win, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a bad thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, you bring up some good points because I think that 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 it it, it risks framing anything that could be construed as masculine as talk toxic, and that's not going to help anybody. It's not no. going to help the 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 core issue because I think I've always thought this. We've talked about it on different occasions, um, and I'm very passionate about it. And we are definitely going to do more episodes on this because it's like such a nuanced issue, mm-hmm. and I'm so fascinated by it that I want to kind of keep getting into it. And we've reached out to a few other people who have are in the field that we're in, you know, in terms of whether it's psychology or mental health or that kind of thing, who have talked about masculinity. And we've reached out to them to start a dialogue because I think it's going to be really cool for us to kind of coordinate and collaborate. I've always thought that what people frame as toxic, you know, quote unquote toxic masculinity is actually more about like chronic widespread male insecurity. That's really what they're mm. kind of referring to, right? It's it's about that there is this problem when it comes to, you know, society and American society in particular where guys feel the need um, to prove their masculinity at all times. We talked about this with Hayden Hurst in, uh, in the last episode where they, 
you know, they're always guys are unique in that they're always trying to prove their worth. Mm-hmm. And the second they can't on a given day or a given week, they're going to feel ashamed or worthless. That to me is the problem that there's this cr- chronic widespread male insecurity that guys on the whole are very, very insecure and it drives a lot of their shame, which drives a lot of their mental health issues mm-hmm. and connects to a lot of the problems that we've talked about. So that's something we're going to get into more. We're not necessarily going to get into it that much today. Um, but I want to, we'll get back into that in a second because I want to kick it back to the beginning a little bit in terms of like on the topic of masculinity, why do we think this is an issue? Um, what would you say? Why, why do you think it's something, an issue, not, not a, a bad issue, like an issue worth discussing, an important issue? Because I don't think there's enough examples of what masculinity like means. I think that, that we have too many archetypes and stereotypes of what being masculine is and it's not accurate, right? We see, you know the bodybuilder or, you know, the Marvel heroes or like all these different things. Mm-hmm. Like we see these examples of like what we're supposed to be as like this masculine person. And that's actually interesting. Before this episode, I looked up the definition and it said like qualities or attributes regarded as and characteristics of being a man. Mm-hmm. And then the example it used was handsome, muscled and driven. Yeah. And I, I couldn't help but laugh. I couldn't help <laughs> but laugh. So now am I, okay. So if I'm, a, if I'm a man, if I identify as man and I say that I, and I'm not muscled, am I then not a man? Right. And it, it, it like turns your head around in circles at trying to figure these different things out. And I think that's why it's so important to talk about these different things because masculinity is not a, a certain thing. It's a spectrum. It's this, it's this wide range and people, and, and actually too, one person that's, um, again, well, I, I really want to spend some time talking about him because he's been a really big advocate of it, is actually funny enough, Harry Styles. And he just did this Vogue shoot where he's wearing a jacket and a dress and he got like, huge backlash yeah. about that from um, from some different news medias about about that and he's been really outspoken about that so I, I definitely want to make sure we spend some time talking about that in a future episode but because he wears a dress he's not a man right I think it's I think that we get so pigeonholed into like these gender norms and gender stereotypes and masculinity is definitely one of them and it causes guys who might not feel like they live up to those stereotypes be like well then what the hell am I yeah. And, and, and that's a real, that's a real issue. It's like, if you, you're, you're still a man, you know, yeah. right? you're still masculine, you're yeah. still all these different pieces. And I think it leads people to feel lonely, lost, separated, disconnected. And then, you know, another stereotype of being men, we're supposed to be silent. So then again, you just kind of suffer with that piece of like, who, who am I then? If I don't fit these norms, I don't feel that way. What am I? Who am I? And then you're stuck in your own head kind of wrapped around. Yeah. It's, and also it leads to that, um, drowning analogy you gave yeah. earlier because the people, you know, it causes not only does it cause individual struggle amongst men um, in terms of feeling like they are not fulfilling that definition enough, but it causes this inter uh, male group struggles where the the ones that think they are more masculine are going to do the bullying, push down from the front, drowning analogy mm-hmm. you gave to the people who don't look as masculine or don't act as masculine, quote unquote. Right. Um, and it just leads to controversy within, which just makes everyone's issue because again. It doesn't help the person that they're pushing underwater, and it doesn't help them either because they're no. not saving themselves. The, you know, the, uh, the opportunity to get saved just went bye-bye, and right. so now they're feeling more ashamed of themselves for what they just did. So all around, it just makes things worse. Yeah. Um, so I think you, you bring up some good points on that. I mean, I think for me, you know, why is this an issue? Why is it something we're passionate about? Well, we talked about how you know male suicides have got have skyrocketed. Like seventy-five percent of suicides it's, it's are men. It's horrible in terms of the, the the trajectory of those numbers. Mm-hmm. Depression and anxiety numbers are way up, and this is before the pandemic. Okay, so like, yeah, it's gotten worse during the pandemic, even more so. But that was already trending in the wrong direction mm-hmm. long before the pandemic ever happened. Substance abuse numbers are way up. We've talked about this, and we're going to continue to talk about how the you know a very core way for got men guys to cope with depression and anxiety particularly is to numb themselves with varying use of substances um so that's a problem that's getting worse too we see this in our work and we know guys are struggling um and this is happening at the same time that let's face it you know being male is not exactly in favor these days and i'm not like you know playing a small violin for guys because like i I know for a long time particularly white men (laughs) yeah we've we've have had it pretty good head of the food chain for a while right but at the same time you have you have to look at that collective effect and then also look at individuals like if you have some insecure you know 18 year old white dude in any part of the united states who is down on himself and feeling low self esteem totally ashamed of himself he's not going to they're not going to understand um, the collective sort of like wrath towards towards guys and particularly white guys, they're just going to feel like they're being called toxic and this is why like i know what we're trying to do as a society 
I just worry that it's it's going to make the problem worse. Like, because we're not starting a conversation, right? We're labeling them as toxic and horrible. Yeah, that is not going to make the problem go away. It's going right. to make it worse, and right. that's my main concern. Yeah, we're, we're in this business to help people, particularly right. guys. And so we're going to speak out about stuff that we think is going to make the problem worse mm-hmm. because what are we really doing if we're not doing that? Sure. Right? Like that's the main goal here. It's kind of like the prison system. Like you did something wrong rather than get treated for it. Like I'm just going to lock you away, right? Yeah. You get to, you're, tox- you're a toxic masculine man. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. And then they're just going to fulfill those pieces. Oh, it's just going to get worse. Gonna, then it's going to yeah. feed into Absolutely. that. Like, okay, well, this is what you're telling me that I am. Great. I'm going to go out and do that yeah. rather than like, well, let's deconstruct why I'm why these things are going on for you, why you're feeling insecure, what's going on, and then give permission to actually explore those things. Like again, it's the the same same type of thing with that PC culture. Like just create a space for conversation rather than this just quick to judgment and labeling. It's just it's 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 crippling. And it's not and it's not just guys too. And I know that we 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 focus on this. It's what our practice is all about. But this is not just guys. But the numbers don't lie, mm-hmm. and uh, they're scary right now for what for what guys are going through right now. And I think that's why we're trying to draw so much attention to it because. Because, like I said, seventy-five percent of suicides in the United States are men, and that's that's a that's huge, yeah. huge. Yeah. And when the you know when the census comes out for next year, I don't know if it's going to be the same or higher, but I can't imagine it's going to go much much lower than that. I, I agree, I agree, and I think um, you know ultimately we want to have this conversation to be able to uh, help people understand what the issues are and how they relate to collective and individual functioning, and that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. And it's a difficult topic, man. I think we talked about why this is an issue. Let's talk about what are the main issues when it comes to masculinity. I think for me, it's like the pull to, quote unquote, be a man and the feeling that you aren't enough of a man, that equals a threat to guys. Like if they feel like they're not enough of a man, they view that as a threat and they view it similar to the drowning example, right? It's like if you feel like you're not enough of a man, you're going to start reaching out to like pull yourself, you're going to pull people down with you, right? Just to be able to try to feel like, all right, I got to prove myself. Similar to how we talked about with Hayden Hurst feeling like, you know, talking about how as a, as a guy, you know, you always are, are sort of like you feel like you're always in the spotlight trying to prove your worth. And the second you don't, you feel ashamed and you feel worthless. Yep. Um, so that's one thing. I think another thing is, you know, how men do not often do not know how to cope with emotion effectively. This is another huge issue because that leads to many like unhealthy and ineffective methods of coping um often they don't even you know a lot of guys don't even know they are coping with emotion at all because they fight all emotion <laughs> and it leads just leads to anger being the only emotion yeah. that they show so it's like uh hold it all in hold it all in numb in any way i can whether it's substances or bullying other people or whatever and then like boom anger is the only way that that gets it out so it's like yeah. you're 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 letting the spout uh, like to release some of that like steam but then boom hold it in hold it in hold it in yeah and so that's combining so the pull to be a man and feeling like you're not enough of a man is a threat. And then when they don't know, they don't understand how to cope with emotion. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the path to getting better is really narrow. Yeah. Um, the yeah. analogy that I use with that one, it's, it's interesting. Like one of those like car compressors, like you bring it to the dump and it like puts the car into like a tiny little cube, right? And then so the, what I talk about is like when you crush or bury all these different emotions, it's kind of like you're compacting them into all these different things. And then, you know, tell me where the steering wheel is, right? Yeah, like, yeah. How could I possibly (laughs) find a steering wheel in this tiny little cube, which then you're primed to frustration, which then is sort of a kind of akin to anger. I think that's why that stuff comes out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's it's an interesting topic. I think we're going to, you know, have to have another episode on this where we get into it because there's a lot more I want to cover today, but there's maybe just too much to get into. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple people, um, a couple clinicians that have some good stuff on on masculinity that I want to get into at some point. We're going to hopefully get them, maybe get them on an episode or at least talk to them off off the air to get their feedback that we can, can use to contribute to the episode content for a future episode on masculinity. Um, so I think for now, maybe we'll kind of, we'll wrap this one up. I think it's been a great discussion uh, on barstool and masculinity and it's, yeah. it's going to start an important dialogue. And ultimately we're, we're trying to be honest, right? About these things. These are difficult topics, but we're trying to be honest and we're trying to have an important dialogue because it's not going to do anyone any good to avoid these topics and not even get into them right. or to like, you know, label people who are on one side of it or the other as wrong or terrible. That doesn't help. Right. right? We're, we're, as two clinicians, our whole thing is to be non-judgmental. We're not trying to be judgmental. We're trying to just further the conversation and invite people to it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I am always going to be honest about my thoughts on these things. Um, but I'm always, always keeping an open mind too mm-hmm. to hear other people's thoughts. I might not agree with them at all times. I might have my own perspective on why I disagree, but I'm only always going to keep an open mind. That's similar yeah. to how I, with Barstool, 
you know, uh, even a few years ago, my perspective was very different on, on them, maybe five years ago than it is right now. Mm-hmm. And I've had conversations with people on that. So right. um, it's always keeping an open mind, but trying to be honest about how, what we think and why. Um, so for today, I want to I want to give one quick Grim Drive example. Um, sometimes we give an example of Grim Drive, and I think Dustin Pedroia, or as someone who mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite Boston athletes of all time, just because of you know how much you know it's similar to the Marshan thing, where it's like it, you're you're an undersized athlete who people probably didn't expect by looking at you to yeah. go very far, and you're able to do what he did. Um, not just on the field, but I think as a presence too, um, you know, as a teammate and just the hustle aspect and grit, you know, kind of grit is what I think of when I think of Dustin Pedroia, um, just a pleasure to watch and, you know, improved my life as a sports fan in Boston. I just loved watching him and, uh, him along with Dave Ortiz and a couple other key, you know, uh, Red Sox athletes, but you know, he, he just announced his retirement recently. So we thought it'd be good to kind of call that out in a good way. Yeah. End of an era. Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a shame to see him retire, but um so appreciative for, you know, what he did as a as a Red Sox player. Yeah. Um just a quick reminder uh for people listening, just click subscribe if you can on your podcast listening platform and give us a rate and review uh of the podcast if possible. We really appreciate all feedback. We're gonna offer a free pair, uh a pair of free Celtics tickets to a game in twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two, uh or an equivalent sporting event if you want to go to a non Celtics game. For one lucky person out of all who write an honest review for us in the first three months of twenty twenty one. So you can enter to win these tickets by taking a screenshot of your review and submitting that through the contact us option on our website at grimdrive.com. It's gonna ask you for your name and email address and provide you with the option to upload the screenshot file make sure you take the screenshot before you review uh sorry a screenshot of the review before you submit it that way you can upload that to the website um we're gonna put some links in the show notes as always uh i want to thank everyone for listening uh today to the grim drive podcast for this discussion about barstool sports and masculinity we'll be back next week uh topic is going to be topic is going to be Kyrie. Irving and communication, which I think uh, is going to be pretty interesting. Can't wait. Uh, And uh, we'll be back then and we'll talk to everyone at that point. Thanks, everyone.